This is The Widow Podcast and I am Karen Sutton, The Widow Coach. I'll be supporting you through the loss of your life partner so you can find a more positive way through your grief. I want to give you hope after loss and to know that when you are ready, you can create a meaningful life for yourself with the help of me, Karen Sutton and The Widow Podcast. Welcome back to another episode of The Widow Podcast. Today, I have Dina Gashman with me. Dina is an author and a journalist, and Dina has written a book, So Sorry for Your Loss. For those of you on on YouTube, you'll be able to see (laughs) the book here. Um, it's, It's a fantastic book about how Dina learned to live with grief and other grave concerns it's a very good read. It's a very good read. Um, but I thought it would be lovely to have Dina come on and join us today. Now, Dina's a little bit different from our usual guests in that she's not actually a widow, though she has a lot of experience around grief and loss. And I truly believe that what Dina has to share is going to benefit you greatly. She has so much wisdom and has had so much experience, sadly, with loss and Dina's perspective on it needs to be shared. So Dina is here with us today. So welcome, Dina. Thank you so much for joining us. Thank you, Karen. I'm happy to be here. Oh, bless you. So let's let's start a little bit with your experience of, of loss and what led you to, to write this book. So sorry for your loss. So my the first, I guess, experience with deep loss was my mom um, died in 2018. Um, she had stage four colon cancer. And then two years later, my sister Jackie died of alcoholism. And so, you know, my family's very close. It's my dad. My dad and my mom were like high school sweethearts. So I think they met in the 60s, started dating in the 60s and never looked back. And then um, they had four daughters. So I'm the oldest. And so my family had these two, you know, devastating back-to-back losses of our mom and our sister. And so that really is how grief came into my life. And, and I've been a writer a long time. I never wrote about grief before this. And I think after experiencing this, I just felt like I may have something to add from our specific story. Yeah. There's a lot in there, isn't there? Because obviously your mum having died of cancer, there's a, the sort of that long-term illness, um, but your sister dying from alcoholism, there's that the lifelong journey with addiction and, and both really hard. I mean, it must have been hard when your mum died because did your sister have a lot of issues then with her addiction and, and your mum was worried about her when she died? Yes. I mean, my sister had struggled, you know, as many people out there that, who know, who love people with substance abuse or alcohol issues. She struggled for years, probably starting around 14 or so. Um, so it was a, it was very hard on my parents for many, many, many years. And she would get sober and then she'd go back into rehab. And um, so she went back and forth. But when my mom was sick, sick, pretty much the whole time, my sister wasn't doing great. So it was tough. And I know it took a toll on my parents. It took a toll on my mom. She blamed herself, you know, even though she did nothing wrong. Um, So when my mom was sick, you know, she would talk to my sister. They still had a relationship. My parents always loved her. But when she was sick, uh, my sister came basically for like one night during hospice to say goodbye. So it was, it was very tough on all of us to have that dynamic happening while losing our mom. But with all that said, there definitely was always a lot of love there in our family. It just was was hard. It's funny because I, I read in in your book, sort of saying that, that you and and your other sisters always used to kind of think that 
you know, your sister had nine lives. Like she, she would always get into a really bad way and you were like, Oh, she'll be all right. She survives everything that, that almost to convince yourselves that nothing sort of really bad would, would happen to her because that was just the unthinkable to you. And, you know, was there a time when you thought that your sister's death was a possibility or was it always a belief that she would find a way through it? I think it was always, um, we, it was always in our minds, especially maybe not at the beginning. I think when she was in her twenties, we kind of thought, well, she'll get, she'll get over it. You know, nobody really gets over alcoholism, obviously, but we just thought, okay, she'll just, maybe she'll go to rehab and then she'll come out and be fine. But then later as the years went on, it was definitely a fear that we all had. And there were times when, you know, she would be sleeping on a park bench or I'd get a message from somebody I didn't know and say, your sister's in Miami. Like she didn't, <laughs> didn't live in Miami. Um, so there were definitely, it was a fear that we all carried with us that we obviously prayed we'd never get that call. Um, and I think part of that is, is almost like, it's like anticipatory grief a little bit. Like you're pre- almost preparing yourself psychologically for something horrible that you don't want to happen. Um, so we definitely always feared it, but, but when we did get the call, it was unexpected because she had been sober for a full year. So she was actually doing really, really well, which I think is a pretty common story, um, and she was doing really well and then just fell off again. And, and, and so that was, you know, even though we didn't, we had expected it, it was still a total shock. How is it living with somebody that you love? I, I don't mean living with in, in the same house, but, you know, living life alongside, you know, a, a close family member with addiction. Is, is there support out there? Because I know there's a, a, a lot of my listeners that have lost life partners um, and, they suffered with addiction in in various forms. And that you can feel really alone in that because there, there's a lot of frustration with addiction. You know, for those that don't have addiction, it's it's kind of quite simple and just stop doing what you're doing. Um, but it's not it's not that simple for them. It's it's a it's an illness, isn't it? It's a it's an imbalance. But I mean, that must have caused a lot of dis-ease within your family over the years. How did you how did you navigate all of that and, and maintain a relationship with your sister? I mean, that can't have been easy. It was not at all. I mean, you know, my heart is with anyone who deals with this or has dealt with it because it is so hard because at the at the very sur- base, not the surface, the base of it, like you love the person, right? You love them. And but then there's anger and there's resentment and there's, you know, there's, you know, even though I say we always loved her, like there would absolutely be times up until close to the end where I'd say, I hate her. I'm never talking to her again. I can't stand her, you know, cause you're just so angry and confused and it's extremely isolating. I know for years I felt totally alone because I didn't understand my feelings. I didn't understand what was going on and why I was so agitated. And, you know, it's just cause you want a certain relationship with the person and you just can't have it. And it's not as easy as saying, you know, they should just quit. It is absolutely a disease. Like I almost think of it as, it's like cancer. And I feel like my sister had stage four alcoholism. I mean, she just, she had it so bad. Um, so we basically, you know, like I said, there's a lot of love in our family, but it definitely like my other sisters and I would argue about it over the years. You know, we'd argue about like, well, why are you being so harsh with Jackie? You know, we'd all kind of go up and down with her. Um, and then we would be really angry at, at my sister Jackie because of what she was putting my parents through. And I know my parents argued and, you know, they made it through, but I know it took a toll, like a hundred percent, it took a toll on them. Um, so we all just, 
kind of try to lead with love and remember that. And, and, you know, I, I learned an important lesson, which is in the book, but I learned it pretty late in the game with my sister, but there's um, this phrase detached with love that they teach you in Al-Anon, which is a group for, you know, people who love alcoholics. And when I learned that it was very helpful because it's hard to just get off the phone with somebody you love without feeling guilty, but detached with love teaches you that you can, if they're drinking or belligerent, you can say, I'm going to get off the phone right now, which is harder. Obviously, if you live with someone, that's a whole other issue, but you can say, I'm going to walk away or I'm going to get off the phone. And when you're sober, I will be there for you. And it allows you to do that without guilt. So that was a huge help for me. Yeah, because it must be very hard to to step away from somebody when they are in the the depths of of their darkness, I suppose. But there comes a point, I guess, where you have to protect yourself because it, it must have such a huge impact on you personally and the relationships that you have in in your life and and how you're showing up because it's it's all so deep rooted, isn't it? And and so incredibly hard. How has your grief been around your sister? Is there an element, because it was complex, you, you know, I thought, all grief is complex, you know, for many reasons, but there are layers, aren't there, to, to certain losses. And has anyone made you feel that your grief is less than because your sister died from alcoholism? I think one of my least favorite things that I've heard is at least she's not suffering, you know, um, which I understand has good intent, but, you know, or people that, that don't understand that she didn't have a choice, right. They, they almost like think my mom's death from cancer is more tragic because my mom couldn't choose cancer. And they, and they think that my sister somehow could, and yes, I mean, she physically could have not picked up a drink, but that's kind of hurtful to hear that, right? Because I feel like they both had a disease that was just out of their control. So there's been a little bit of it. Most of it is supportive, but but when I do hear those things, it it hurts for sure. And one reason I wanted to write the book is to pay tribute to Jackie and to people like her, um, because I think so many people don't understand them and that they are they are usually at some point were really sweet, good people. My sister was the sweetest, so you know it's important to me to to show people that like if someone's an alcoholic and they're belligerent and all of this stuff, it doesn't mean they're a bad person by any stretch. Mm. Yeah. It's really important to remember that, isn't it? And I think that's, that's something, you know, I did love in your book because you, you know, you have the the boxes of things that are, that are helpful or not so helpful. And you, you kind of said there that people saying at least she's not suffering just felt dismissive and, and very unhelpful. What has been helpful to you with people's approach to your sister's death? I mean, I think just, you know, people being supportive and, and I always appreciate, especially in the early days after she died. One of the reasons I called the book so sorry for your loss is because that phrase used to drive me crazy. It made me so angry because it doesn't reflect our pain, right? Condolences. So sorry for your loss. Sounds like a greeting card. It just doesn't sound genuine. And it would just make me so angry. Now I'm a little more calm about it, but I think that you know, what was, what, what I appreciate is when people would say, this is so tragic. My heart's broken for you. Cause I felt like, okay, yes, you get it. Like it is tragic. You're not going to trigger me by saying that. I know it is. And I think people just, you know, saying Jackie was so wonderful, you know, like people who knew her was, was the most helpful, but definitely not. She's not suffering. (laughs) Yeah. She's not, but I'd rather her be here. Yeah, exactly. 
it's it's so hard to know what the right thing to say is isn't it and and i'm sure i've got it wrong many a time with with people and you know depending on the kind of day you're having as well something might seem helpful and and other days it it might not but yeah it's it's incredibly hard it's incredibly hard now as you kind of said you've you've had two really significant losses very close together and you know i have people who will be listening to this that have lost a life partner, but may have had other losses as well, parents, siblings, children, close friends. How have you navigated those huge losses very close together? Because grief is huge. You know, grieving one person is huge. What has helped you to to grieve your your mum and your sister, giving them both the, the, the time and attention that they need in, in that grieving process? Yeah, I mean, I think with my mom, it was such a profound loss. I mean, she was, it was so devastating. And, and so, you know, we had two years that we were still, you know, I mean, I moved back to work and stuff, but we were still obviously in it. And then when my sister died, it was this, I remember this initial feeling of, I can't believe we're doing this again. Like I almost put myself on pause emotionally. Like obviously I was crying distraught, but I remember this feeling of like, I need to put on the brakes for a minute because I don't know if I can do this so soon again. And I know my dad and my sisters had that too, of just like, how is it possible this is happening again? It was, it was that shock. Um, so I think after the initial like days and weeks with my sister, I, I think I've been on autopilot a little bit. Like I think I kind of numbed myself unintentionally. And I remember a few months in thinking like, well, what's wrong with me? Like with my mom, it was like, you know, even though I was back into the, you know, land of working and being a mom, I was still so devastated with my sister. I was like, why am I laughing at a movie? Why, why does this feel a little bit easier? And so I had this whole guilt with it. And then of course her birthday came and I had a massive breakdown <laughs> and, and I was like, oh, I'm good. I'm, I'm crying. That's great. Um, but I think that, you know, I just honestly writing the book really helped me because I have connected with so many people. And one of the most healing things for me in this has been connections and meeting somebody who comes up and says, you know, I lost my spouse. I lost this person. And it's like, immediately we have this language that we can speak. Um, and I was just at a book festival, which is why my voice is so scratchy for like four days meeting all kinds of people. And a woman came up to me and she had a big pin with her. I, I'm guessing, you know, I knew it was her son just because she had this big pen with a kid on it. And I said, is that your son? And um, I never would have said that if grief wasn't in my life. I never would have had the courage just to ask her who was on her pen, even if I knew. And so it's brought these conversations and just moments into my life that were so meaningful. Because when I asked her, she was happy. And she told me about it, not happy, but, you know, she was happy to be asked and told me about him. So I think one of my ways of processing it has been through this process of writing the book and putting it in the world and, and hearing from people. Yeah. It's so powerful, isn't it? And I think it's, it's so important. You know, I think, you know, the greatest gift anyone can give us is, it's almost like just saying their name and asking about them and, and who they were, because you want to talk about them. And and I know there's that fear, isn't there, of, of bringing somebody up that's died because you think, oh, I'm going to upset them. I'm going to make them cry. And I, I really shouldn't. But actually, it's okay, right? You, you know, like we need to express ourselves and we need to to remember our loved ones. And and it does teach us a lot. And, and not that our per person's death 
um, was was a gift or or a lesson or anything. But I think within the grieving process, we learn a lot about ourselves, don't we? And 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 what matters and how to be around people in grief, which is something that the the world needs to understand a, a whole lot better for sure. Yes, it's just oh, I agree. Painful, isn't it, at the moment? <laughs> It is. And, and I, and I do, like you said, I love when people say like, what was your mom's name? Or what was your sister's name? It's so simple, but it's so, I'd so much rather somebody say that than so sorry for your loss. You know, like I just, that's just the sweetest thing people can ask. And, um, but yes, I think that people don't know how to talk about it and they're so scared. And, and I hope that's starting to change, you know, just through everything we've all been through collectively in the past couple of years with the pandemic and everything in the world. Hopefully I, I think people are, getting there, but it's, there's still so much fear around grief and death. And it, and it does, it makes people feel isolated. It does. And, that, and that's a really horrible feeling, isn't it? A really horrible feeling. Now, I wanted to to talk to you as well about your dad and your relationship with him, because again, I have a, a lot of listeners that have lost their, their life partners and have adult children. Um, we, we've kind of talked a lot about having younger children and supporting them but there's very little support out there for adult children losing parents and it's almost like it's it's you know it's it's going to happen in life that's the way it works and, and to a certain extent it does you hope it happens in in that order but still really hard still really hard and then as a parent, obviously, I know you're a parent and, you know, when your child's hurting, you you want to, to fix it. You want to make it better. Um, I'm sure for you, watching your dad as well, grieve your mum whilst you're grieving, the, the dynamics shift and change, don't they? And, and everything's so different. What helped? What helped, you, you know, you, you and your sisters with your dad to, to support each other in a way that worked for you all and, and maybe what? What didn't? I think um, you know one thing that that happened. My two of my sisters live close to my dad, um, and then I lived. You know, we're in Texas now, but I lived in California at the time. But after my mom died, I actually moved back. I, I forced my son, my husband, <laughs> to move to Texas, dragged him with me and, and our son, and I, I just needed to be close to him. I just it was a absolute need that I had, and I'm so glad. Um, so that was one thing that I think helps that we can just say, hey, drive here for the weekend, you know, so it's not a flight away. Not everybody has to do that. But it, to me, it was I needed to do that. And I think, you know, my sisters and I talk about this a lot, that my dad went straight into grief therapy and into a grief group. And I'm so thankful because, you know, how the dynamics change is suddenly you feel like a parent to your parent, even though my sisters and I are like in our 30s and up. Right. And so we felt like we had to really protect our dad and we were worried, is he eating? Is he sleeping? Is he, you know, we'd get scared if he didn't answer a text, like, where is he? <laughs> Who's he with? And like, he was a teenager all of a sudden. Um, and, you know, just really worried about him, but not in a way that was detrimental. Like we wanted to worry about him, right? We love him. So I don't, I hope any parents out there who have kids, you know, who are worried about that, like understand that if your kid is worried about you, it just means they love you. That's all. It's not like you you shouldn't take that away from them because they, I mean, I want to take care of my dad and so do my sisters. And so it's not anything that you need to feel guilty about or worry about. It's just coming from love and we wouldn't know what to do with ourselves otherwise. Um, and so we just, we text him, my dad all the time, we invite him to do stuff all the time. Um, you know, we kind of knew eventually he may start to date 
which was a whole other thing. Cause my dad, um, he was 60, 68 when my mom died. Um, and they were, like I said, they were high school sweethearts. Like, you know, that we kind of had the relationship on a pedestal, but we kind of knew, cause my dad is very young at heart that eventually probably he'd start dating. So about two years after my mom died, he kind of tiptoed into those waters. So that was a whole other <laughs> saga that we maybe weren't so supportive at the beginning. Um, we've calmed down a lot, but we've just had to navigate this new world together that none of us asked for. I mean, my dad would much rather be with my mom, but you know, he also wants to engage in the world and he doesn't want to sit at home alone. So I don't blame him, but that's been interesting to navigate. Yeah, but it has actually re- really hard sort of watching that happen. And it's probably sort of very bittersweet in in a lot of respects. You, you know, you obviously don't want your dad to be sad and, and lonely all the time, but just watching him with someone else must, oh, I, I got, it just must be so strange. So strange. Well, we haven't met anyone. Um, okay. So he's still, it's very, you know, it's been, it'll be five years actually next week um, that my mom died. And he's still just, I think it's hard for him, right? He's still, he's lonely and, but he just hasn't met anyone. And and I think my dad has the attitude of like, he's not just going to jump into something just so he's not alone. Right. He, he still has friends and all of this. So he's, he's dating and he's having fun. And, and I'm glad that he has like dinners to go to and people to engage with and all that kind of stuff. But we're kind of like walking alongside it with him. Um, but one of my sisters is very, she's a little more militant than the other two than me and the other one. Um, so she's just like, what's what, you know, what's her social security, you know, but like, she's very strict, um, <laughs> which is kind of hilarious. Love it. Love it. And, and how, how has he supported you and your sisters through, through your grief? Obviously your, your mum and your sister has, has he been able to, to sort of offer the hand of support to you within his grief? It has. I mean, we're just very open and honest with each other. And we we were before all of this happened, but now even more so. And luckily, I remember after my sister died, um, he said to us, he said, I don't know if I'm going to make it through this one. And it was very scary because he was like our rock. I mean, you know, even if he was grieving, he was like our, you know, our parent. Um, and so that was really scary. But but lucky for us, he he stayed in his grief group. He's very in touch with his emotions. So he's offered us just his shoulder. Right. I mean, and he's just an open door and we can, I can text him at any moment at any time and say, dad, I'm sad about this. And he'll just say, I know. And we talk, we talk about it. So that's all he needs to do for us. He doesn't need to like save us from our grief or make it go away. Cause I think we all understand it's not going to go away and we each process it daily in a different way. So the best thing he does for us is he's just, he's there and he's listening and he's comforting and, um, and understanding. And, and through writing the book, I interviewed my dad a lot. And so that was, you know, I feel bad because like in the middle of a work day, I'd be like, hey, dad, can you tell me about this really sad day? <laughs> and he was always up for it unless he couldn't. But so I think that's been helpful. It's just, he's just been there for us. Have, have there been sort of challenges? It sounds like you you will communicate really well and you share and you're open and that's wonderful. And I do think that's at the heart of of everything, really. That honesty and and connection and vulnerability but have there been moments where maybe you judged each other's grief um because i think we do it's i think it's human nature especially when we're so close there there is that that judgment of another person's grieving process um 
and and when emotions are high, intelligence is low, right? We're not able to to maybe think rationally about certain situations. Has there been those moments within your family with all of this loss where it's just felt insurmountable? I mean, there have been, you know, there, I mean, I tell this story in the book, which is kind of funny, but it's with one of my sisters and I, and it was during my mom was on hospice for eight days and it was horrible. I think it may be a little bit better in the UK. Um, but here in America, like when you bring somebody home for hospice, depending on your insurance, I mean, we were doing everything. We were giving her, we were giving her morphine. Like it was just horrible. And so we were just completely like nerves exposed, like out of our minds by the end of that eight days. And remember my sister and I, like we had been getting along and everything was great. And then we just had this complete blow up of like, when's the last time you did the 5am shift? And you know, this whole, it was like, but they, they have real housewives there, right? That's all over yes. the place. So we were like real housewives. Like we were just like screaming at each other outside my dad's house. And like, I think I stormed down the street and we just had this massive blow up and it lasted maybe three minutes. And then we came back together. But it was one of those moments where we were just so tired and depleted and like we everything went haywire. And we just, so I think there were a couple of moments like that. Um, I mean, not too much. So we've all been lucky enough, all have kind of understood each other's grief. And I think we, we all understand that everyone does it differently. Um, so there hasn't been too much judgment. I think, I think the hardest thing has been my dad dating. Honestly, I think that's been the hardest thing to navigate for us, at least initially, you know, just what, what, you know, what is that? How do we even do that? And, um, so that, that has been the tough thing, but as far as how everyone's grieving, not, I don't think there's been many things besides those blowups just from stress. Mm. That's good. That because it, it's you, you know it is a very stressful situation, isn't it? So completely, completely understandable. Now, in the book, you kind of talk about humor, bringing humor into grief, which for some people can feel quite uncomfortable, can't it? Um, because you know it's not something we should be laughing about or or sort of cracking jokes over, but actually. I think it's really important to to find those moments of humor. I think it's incredibly healing and and helps us process it. How important has humor been in your journey? Definitely agree with that. I it has been huge. I mean, my mom raised us to always remember our sense of humor, so I think that kind of was how we were brought up. But going through all of this, it has really kind of buoyed us when we needed it. Um and like you said, it's very healing. I don't think it's a way to disguise your emotions. I think it's a way to to process all the stuff. And so even though there may be moments we're not, you know, we're not laughing during hospice, we're not laughing at a funeral, but looking back, if something happened, you know, when we're all sitting around, we've definitely found like bonding and just release and just finding like laughing at the absurdity. Cause this is all can be very absurd. You know, the things that you do and that you go through and little things that happen. And so I think it has helped tremendously. And I wanted humor in the book too, because I feel like grief can be so devastating. It is so devastating. Allowing those moments of release and allowing those moments to say like, Hey, it's okay. If you laugh, like it doesn't mean you're not grieving. It doesn't mean you stopped loving the person. You can, you can watch a comedy movie and laugh. It's okay. Even if it's two days after the funeral, like you're not a bad person because you should bring joy into your life, right? The person that died would want you to have joy in your life. And so I think humor is hugely helpful because I think some people that may feel guilty about that, I think it's maybe not healthy or you're, you're sort of cutting yourself off from something that could help you through your pain. And so I, I think it's, nobody should feel ashamed of laughing during their grief. No, you're, I completely agree. It's, it's, it's all part of the process, isn't it? You know, and 
laughter and fun and joy, whatever that looks like. And it will probably look very different to what it looked like before, but it is really important to, to bring that into your life because it, it is a, a form of expression and, and it is a, a release for us, but we can't sit in the darkness of grief all the time that there, there has to be some reprieve from it. And I mean, there are moments, aren't there, in grief that you just sometimes you think this, this, how is this my life? How, how has this happened? How have I got to this? Is this real? I still, it's five years on. I still, I still have those moments all the time. I think I'll have them for the rest. I'll be, I'll be like 80 and be like, did my mom and sister really die? Like, I actually think that's the case. I'll bet. I'll bet. What, what have you learned from, I mean, there's been, there must've been so much Dina, but how, how has it affected how you live now, having lost your mum and your sister, what impact has it had on your outlook on life and the, and the choices that you make? I think that, you know, it sounds grand to say it's changed my whole sort of perception, but I, I do think it's changed my whole sort of way I am in the world. Um, and, you know, one, one tangible way is, like I said, moving back home to Texas, which I never thought I would do. But I think in less tangible ways, I just, I seek out connections with people who have grief in their life. It's just, it's something that I need in my own life. Um, And I keep saying, I'm not going to write about grief anymore. I'm not going to write about grief, but I keep doing it, right? I keep saying, oh, there's a movie about grief. Let me look at that. There's a book, you know, I keep going to it. So I think it's just changed my life in that way. It's just something that it's very compelling for me to almost like study it or see how it affects other people. And I think you know, it does put a different lens on things. Right. I mean, I just, I just am a person that walks through the world missing my mom and sister now. Right. I wasn't that before. And now, you know, it it also things I've taken from it is that there's no one way to do it. There's no stages, there's no endpoint, which I think most people in grief know, but in the beginning, you may not know that you may think like, when, when will this end? And the, the horrible sadness does, you know, it gets, easier and better, but I've learned to accept it into my life in the way that realizing like it is, there's not going to be a day when I'm like, poof, it's gone. And, and I'm okay with that because it means I love these people. Um, and so, you know, that's all been pretty profound in my life. And I think it's, it's impacted the way I talk to my son about death and losing people or pets or anything like that. It's, it's sort of, I think if I didn't have this in my life, I'd be more scared to talk to him. He's six. Um, and so I don't sit him down every day and like talk about funerals, but I, you know, when he asked me about a frog that was squished in the road or, you know, my mom who died, like I try to be as honest as I can in an appropriate way with him, which I think is helpful. Yeah. I I think I can't, I, you know, I do agree. I think children are naturally curious, aren't they? And, and it's important to be honest at an age appropriate level, obviously with them, um, but it can be uncomfortable having these conversations. Writing the book has obviously been incredibly helpful to you and on your grief journey, but what is it that you are hoping people gain from reading your book? You know, the feedback you've had, what has it helped people with? I think a lot of the feedback, which means the most to me, is people say they feel less alone in their grief and they feel seen. And that's exactly what I wanted for the book. I just, I wanted people to feel comforted and seen. And I'm not a psychologist. I'm not an expert. You know, I'm a person who lives with grief and I'm a writer. So 
and a journalist. So the journalist in me was curious and I interviewed other people and, and tried to explore it. But I think if somebody can come away from the book, having had some laughs, but also maybe some tears because there's tough stuff in there too, but feel like, okay, I am not alone in this. You know, there are millions of other people out there and I'm going to be okay. Like that would, that would be the ultimate thing. Yeah. Yeah. You know, you're, you're right. I, th- I think grief is incredibly isolating, isn't it? And, and we feel so alone in our loss, especially, you know, if you don't have people around you that have experienced a similar loss, you, you know, they just don't get it. You know, for you, I should imagine you want to meet people that have lost a mum and a sister, and that might be two different people and, and groups, but just to find that space where you feel seen and heard, because that's what grief needs, isn't it? And a lot of the time it it's it's minimized, it's dismissed, it's ignored because it's uncomfortable and it's heavy for people. So I think to open up the conversation is so important, so important for, for people. How are you doing now in, in your grief? Where would you where are you at sort of living alongside it? I think I'm doing good. I mean, you know, I still have my moments. Absolutely. It was funny. I had a reading this past Saturday and I've read from the book many, many times and haven't cried. You know, my, I had a book tour in April and, and I didn't cry every book, every book stop. I was like, I'm going I'm going to, I'm going to lose it. Like tonight, obviously I'm going to cry. And I never did. I mean, I would get emotional, but sat this past Saturday night, like months after the book came out, I was reading a passage and just, it just came over me and just out of nowhere. Um, so I think I'm doing good. I feel healthy. I feel I have so much joy in my life, but I still have those moments and I just, I let them kind of pass over me because that's what they do. Right. I mean, I think those initial grief outbursts, like the emotion feels like it's never going to end. Right. It's so intense. But now I understand that even if it's an intense thing, I just, I kind of let it come over me and then it's going to go on its way. Right. And so I feel like I feel good. I feel, you know, very lucky for, you know, my family and my, my son and my dog who's right underneath me, <laughs> not leaving my side. Um, so I feel good. And I feel like, you know, the sadness is going to come when it comes. Um, but it it has, I guess it brings another level of kind of depth and empathy into your life if you allow it to, which can, you know, can be a way to honor the people you've lost, I think. Yeah, definitely. And, and, you know, it's, it is kind of surrendering to it, isn't it? Rather than, than fighting it, it's, it's there and it, and it needs to be felt and experienced and, and, and for us to find those ways of allowing it to, to move through us. Um, but also looking for the, those glimmers, you know, those things in life that, that still feel good because, because they're still there amongst the heartache and the tragedy. There's, there's still things that we can all find that we're grateful for at the beginning it feels less so that way, but as as you move through it, um, you know, allowing yourself to see those things, I think, is in- incredibly beneficial to us. So, where would people find your book, Dina? Is it is it sort of a, an, an Amazon click? Amazon way? click, Blackwell's. Um, yeah, I think if you go online and just put the title of my name, you should be able to find it all those places. And then um, I'm online at dinagashmanwrites.com is my website. Brilliant. And and that Gashman is G-A-C-H-M-A-N. Um, but yes, it's it is a it's a really lovely 
book you, you know it it has some lovely stories in there of, of your own personal loss but others as as well and and just things that that resonate you know that that sort of you kind of go god yeah you know i i get that i felt that i experienced that and like you say gives you that place to find space where you feel understood which is really important. So thank you so much. Thank you Jean, for coming on and, and sharing your story and your lovely book. Do you think there'll be another one? I don't know. I'm working on my, what my next book would be. I don't know if it's going to be grief. I'm kind of grappling with, like I said, I keep saying I'm not going to write about grief and then I keep doing it. So stay tuned, but I'm working on what, what that third book would be. Who knows? Who knows? Who knows? <laughs> Bless you. Thank you so much, Dina. It's been so lovely chatting to you. Thank you, Karen, for having me. Thank you so much for listening to The Widow Podcast with me, Karen Sutton. If you would like to be part of a supportive community of people who understand your grief, come and join my free Facebook group, Widowed and Rising. And make sure you tune in to the next episode of The Widow Podcast. <laughs>